0: Adidas. Okay. Portions of the Orders Now podcast are brought to you by proamsports.ca. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office equipment solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Ched. Welcome back everybody. Hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer in Ice District at Rogers Place. The Edmonton Oilers and the Colorado Avalanche tonight. Second hour of now is brought to you by Digitex. Chad uses Digitex for their copiers and printers. Their service is outstanding. Guests on the show receive guest certificates to the Japanese Village, three locations downtown, south side, north side. Still to come uh, comments from Connor McDavid and Todd McClellan uh, for tonight's game, as well as a full conversation in 17 seconds' time with the uh, P- player who was uh, once the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, longtime agent with Octagon. We welcome back to the show from the NHL Network, Brian Lawton. Brian, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Bob. How are you? Good. You're making some noise today uh, on the Twitterverse about Rick Nash. <laughs> and so my, right. o- my opening question to you, because everybody has their sources, and you, of course, uh, we're part of the reason why Octagon. I mean, Octagon, and maybe you can explain to our listeners, they're just not a hockey agency. They're one of the most powerful agencies in the business that has a hockey department. But agents talk, so maybe first, just educate us on 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 how big Octagon is, and then maybe what you're hearing out there through the traditional hockey circles. Right, right. The
1: history of Octagon
0: hockey is very simple, Bob.
1: Uh, Octagon which was advantage at the time, came to me when I had a rather small boutique, about 20 clients total, maybe 15 in the National Hockey League. I sold that company to Octagon and became their director and ran the firm for about 10 years. Uh, When I left, we had over 100 players in the National Hockey League. And that's about where they sit today, to be honest with you, maybe a little bit more than that. I don't think there's much appetite from Octagon to want to really grow much beyond that. But you always have young guys coming in and older guys moving out. And uh, Mike Lee runs Octagon now. He represents Leon Dreisaitl. Of course, with the Oilers, and uh, it's just a terrific tour. Alan Welch is in their stable of agents, Ben Hankinson. They've just got a a lot of really good people. They do a tremendous job. They're constantly in contact with, uh, you know, on all their players, guys like Ryan McDonough, for that matter.
0: All right, so like Ryan McDonough, and you know you're, you do a lot of work in New York now, are the Rangers going to perhaps be the most compelling team to watch here at the trade deadline?
1: I think when it's all said and done, they will. I'm not sure that they'll move three players, uh, and that's three more, not including Holden, of course. Um, but I do think they'll end up moving, too, for, for certain. I, I obviously feel strongly, if you follow me on Twitter, that you know Rick Nash, that's inevitably done. It's just a matter of trying to figure out which direction the Rangers want to go with different packages. I, I do believe they have a package that they would accept right now. I don't, ex- I don't expect them to accept it right now. I think they'll take a little bit more time. I think they'll see if they can that. And... But I think they're in a good spot with Rick Nash. Not so certain on, on Grabner. In terms of Ryan McDonough, I have spoken to, and I'll speak to, obviously, the agents that I know, and that's just that' i but also the general managers in the league. And I've spoken to a number of guys um, that really consider Ryan McDonough as probably... I want to say the most valuable defenseman out there. I think that goes to Eric Carlson, but I, but I, interestingly, I've spoken to a number of teams that don't necessarily think he's the right fit for them right now, whereas Ryan McDonough is, the guy that could jump into your second pair and, quite frankly, drive that pair himself. Uh, very much like Victor Hedman does with their first pair, would be incredibly powerful uh, for a team like Tampa. So I, I, I do think that he is a prime and Rangers just have to wrestle with whether or not they're going to go in that
0: direction. Well, they made big deals with Tampa Bay before. A lot of people think Eric Carlson in Tampa Bay makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure how the math works unless they're you know, sending a guy like Callahan back to Ottawa on that, and then that just increases the amount of assets that Tampa Bay would have to give up. Uh, you, of course, were the GM uh, there uh, of the Lightning. Uh, I think... Yeah. We all know that Steve Eiserman's done a pretty good job. I mean, the drafting that Tampa Bay has done, Brian, the, the just the second-rounders alone from the 2016 draft, Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish both playing for Sault Ste. Marie, those guys are you know both going to be top-nine NHL forwards. Um, Tampa Bay is in a really good position right now, aren't they? Uh, they clearly are,
1: and Steve has an amazing job. Um, not necessarily so much on the top end, but he seems to have figured out ways you know, to work some of those things out. Obviously, they took Jonathan Drouin instead of maybe a guy like Seth Jones. Um, the year after, when I essentially got fired, we had a guy like Cam Fowler targeted. They eventually went on and selected Brett Conway. Uh, but where their real master, master has been for Tampa is in those later picks. Because uh, they've absolutely found gold, whether it be Palat, uh, whether it be Couture, or the free agent on the Western League, of course, like Tyler Johnson. They have just done an incredible, incredible job. When we were there, obviously, Stan Close, Headman, those were the two significant pieces that we acquired. And uh, quite frankly, those guys are still looking pretty good for the Tampa Bay
0: Lightning. <laughs> well, and it starts there, and that's why they always got a chance, and that's a great extended metaphor. Brian, for the position that Edmonton's in. Like, this is a down year in Edmonton. The Oilers have massively overachieved. Uh, and maybe the expectations were a little bit unrealistic. But at the end of the day, Edmonton still has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettel, uh as a one-two punch. And there's probably 27 or 28 other NHL teams that would like to have that as a one-two punch. Or maybe 30 other NHL teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that, Bob. It's an enviable position to be in, starting with those two guys. The challenge for Edmonton now is going to be to continue to get their roster where they want it to be. Um, maybe to undo a couple things that they've done, which some of those things are just expiring naturally. Others, they might have to artificially move along. But, um, you know, the Edmonton Oilers are, are just fine. I know people are wild about it hasn't been the year that they maybe wanted this year, hoped for, anticipated, it's a tough business. Everybody else is trying to win, too. It happens. But the future, the long-term future, and even the short-term beginning next year, this is a club that uh, I'm still very, very bullish on. I don't see how they don't win a Stanley Cup in the next four or five years, or maximum.
0: We're joined by Brian Lawton, the former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, now with the NHL Network. So you mentioned the Rangers. You slipped in a little comment, Brian, about Eric Carlson. Uh, I I find that interesting because I I can tell you that the injury is a concern for me uh, with Eric Carlson. He hasn't played as well. And I'm not sure he, put it this way, somebody asked me, can you win with Eric Carlson? I'm like, can you win with Eric Carlson? Of course you can win with Eric Carlson. I mean, people used to say, could you win with Phil Kessel? I mean, if Eric Carlson goes to Tampa Bay and he's, you know, Victor Hedman's their lead dog on D and up front you've got Steven Stamkos, of course you can win with Eric Carlson. But, right, but that being said, why do some teams see McDonough as maybe a better fit than Carlson? You know, I I honestly
1: don't – Eric Carlson's
0: a great player.
1: Um, And I think he's a great player, tremendous player. And I've asked some of those questions. And some of those things I'm hearing back, you know, it's always hard to decipher through what's real and what's not. A little bit of angst in the market in terms of some of the comments earlier in the year. I talked to a couple of different teams that basically had the same take on it. And the comments I'm referring to are, you know, I'm going to get the money I deserve, as much as I deserve which there's nothing wrong with that. It stands out in hockey, though. You don't hear that type of stuff in our sport. And it resonates with a lot of, a lot of folks out there, not in a positive way. I think that's kind of caused a little bit of caution for some teams with Eric. Um, you know, that I've heard all kinds of conspiracy theories from there, but one thing that I don't believe is a concern is his foot. I've watched Eric very closely a a number of games recently here, and I've seen instances where he takes off and he's gone and he looks perfect. Um, But there's a lot of other times during games where I see an Eric Carlson that wants to slow the game down and play it at his pace. And a lot of the teams that are having success right now, they're playing at 100 miles an hour, and slowing it down is really only reserved for the power play, which, of course, is where Carlson is great. A five-on-five play is still what drives winning in this league. So there's some concern out there about Eric in those ways. In terms of what my view is of what the Ottawa Senators are doing, I absolutely believe, um, and I think they're wrong, but I absolutely believe that they would part with Eric Carlson. And when I say I think they're wrong, I I don't say that lightly because Eric is such a great player. Um, I also... Have some time for the fact that you know they want to try to restart their franchise, and he's probably not a guy that's going to be there when they're back where they want to be. So it's not easy. I understand that. But Mark Carlson to me is a guy that absolutely can be had for a great offer on the market, um, and that still shocks some people that that actually could
0: happen. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I think you're going to answer the same way I would. I, I get asked, well, you know, the owner's got to offer dry sidle for him, and I'm like, no. I'd like to get your thoughts on that.
1: dry for Eric Carlson? Yeah. You would. Uh, in terms of how that would play out, you'd have two incredibly valuable guys changing teams. Um which would probably work out for both of them, but it would be one of those deals that vacillates back and forth. In terms of if you're Edmonton, do you want to do that? I would not want to. Uh, I like Leon Draisaitl. I, I think he's a number one center on virtually any other team in the National Hockey League but for maybe three others besides the Oilers. So I think I could probably come up with four guys that are ahead of him as centers, not really anybody else above that. You've got a one-two punch that is stronger than anybody else in the National Hockey League, notwithstanding Pittsburgh. I still like, obviously, the combination of Crosby and Malkin. is so proven that I can't say that without giving those guys the due that they deserve for being back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, three total together. So, um, it's powerful. I wouldn't... I wouldn't do that if I were the Edmonton Oilers, and it's not easy to explain. It's one, more one of those gut reactions that the Oilers fans, you know, quite frankly, and the fans in all the different cities are relying on their general managers to come up with. Because we can go into analytics as much as we want, Bob. At the end of the day, there's still a lot of gut decisions that are made by the general manager.
0: Well, I'll, I'll take one step further, just quickly on the analytics. People say, well, what Settle's done, it's all been with uh, McDavid. I got news for you. When he is away from Connor McDavid, he is right at the point of first-line production as a center when he is away from McDavid. So he's basically producing uh, two primary points per 60 minutes played, which is first-line production. Okay? And the Oilers at this stage do not have elite wingers always playing with them. So people need to keep that in mind before they go, well, he does, you know. He's ahead of, he's basically at last year's pace, and their power play has been terrible all year, Brian. And he's 22. Right. And he's 22! He's 20. All I, all, all I hear is Leon Dreisel having a terrible season. That's not true. It's absolutely not
1: true. Um, but that's a narrative out there because the team's not doing well. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is that Peter and the Edmonton Oilers management staff, they just need to ride it out. And I get it; it's a rough ride when you don't hit expectations. But then there is a player. Certainly, then there is a manager. Um, sometimes all you need is time. And right now, the we need time to make it through the season, regroup get their feet back under themselves, and they'll
0: be back stronger than ever next year, in my opinion. Well, you know, Brian, you get the fans, the appreciation for the fans here. They kept the building full while the team went through a lengthy rebuilding process. You couldn't plan to be as bad as Edmonton was for that length of time. They go and win 47 games, 103 points last year, and I was the guy that thought six of the next seven years, 45 wins, 100 points, it's going to be a slam dunk, just like Vancouver did for that stretch. And then we had the regression this year. So that's where the frustration comes from the fans. I want to ask you a question about USA Hockey. Okay. Uh, You were number one. Were you the first uh, American chosen number one in the NHL draft? I was. Yes. Uh, At the time that that occurred back in 1983, the U.S. is not the U.S. now in, in, in men's hockey. Uh, and women's hockey was not even a a concern at that time. I mean, it was an incredible game last night. I think, you know, Americans won four straight, Brian, four straight world championships. They were the more skilled and faster team last night, but Canada and the U.S. are a 1 and a 1A. Are we a 1 and 1A in men's hockey at this stage?
1: Uh, The U.S. has not proven at the men's
0: level that...
1: They're a 1A, in my opinion. And obviously the World Cup didn't go well. Um, but we haven't shown that in the Olympics. I, I think we've shown that certainly at the world junior level. Yep. And I think that's going to happen for USA hockey. But we're not quite there yet uh, at the men's level. Canada clearly is a one at the men's level. Uh, Canada have clearly been. Certainly uh, the U.S. was winning the world championships, but the women, but the is that Canada was winning the gold medals.
0: Yeah. And
1: last last night, I, I will say that Canada played amazing and they easily could have won that game. Um, but, and I'm friends with a lot of the girls on the U.S. team, so I'm biased, but I felt like they had more skill on their team. I felt that like Canada did a better job in the coaching, which made a big difference and has made a big difference. I felt like the U.S. had a little bit more skill and speed on their club. And I really didn't see it until maybe the last five, ten minutes of regulation. And then in the overtime, I thought the U.S. played well. But it was an incredible effort. It was a great game. Um, it was a joy to watch, quite frankly. And, and I don't mean that just because the U.S. won. I mean it was a really, really good hockey game.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I think the Americans are now Canada's chief rival in men's hockey. I mean, the Russians, whatever they're, they're calling this team at the Olympics, they they should win based on their talent. But when when everybody's got their best players available, for me, it's Canada one, the U.S. two, Sweden three, and then Russia slash Finland four and five. Would you disagree with that?
1: Uh, I don't think we're there yet. We've got more to prove that consistency. You know, the 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 World Championships is always a downer for the U.S. We just don't get the buy-in and participation that Canada does, and that's something that needs to change from USA Hockey and, and. god bless jimmy johansson the director who was a good friend of mine yep. gosh his brother lives not far from me here in town he's a great guy he did a great job um they have to continue on with the mission that he was on to continue to improve not only men's hockey in the u.s but also women's um We've got to figure out a way to, to get the same type of pride and buy-in that Canada has over the world championships. And this is a difficult year because, believe it or not, we do still have world championships in Olympic years. I think that's kind of foolish, but it is out there. And uh, I think it's important that the U.S. men's team put the same effort uh, from that, that Canada puts in. If we can do that, I think we're on our, our way to being what you're categorizing as 1 and 1A in, in hockey in the world.
0: Brian, Well, we always appreciate your time, thanks for shedding some light. Uh, so I'm going to take it that you believe that both Nash and McDonough will be traded by Monday.
1: Nash for sure, Grabner for sure, McDonough I think is closer than people might think. Eric Carlson, that is a tough one to get a read on. Al Reckman, Larson, I do not believe that he will be traded. Um... Evander Kane, I'm not hearing much on the Evander Kane front, although I think that there's a certain group of players like Nash, Grabner, Kane, expiring UFAs that aren't going to continue on with their teams that are going to be moved, and, and the sellers might be willing to take a little bit less if it falls that way uh, in the
0: 11-hour. Great stuff, Brian. We'll talk again. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. That is Brian Lawton, former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning from the NHL Network, the first American ever selected number one in the NHL draft, 1983. Pat LaFontaine went third that year. Steve Eiserman went fourth. 124 in Edmonton. We're going to take a quick timeout. This is Orders Now. showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at ProAmSports.ca. That's ProAmSports.ca. This is Milan Lucci's from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on 630 Ched. You text us at 630, 630. Uh, Brendan, I, I just want to, first of all, we did trivia, our Mr. Lou trivia, named the former Colorado draft choice that was partnered with... Uh, Duncan Siemens in Saskatoon. Siemens got drafted 11th overall 2011. This guy had an unbelievable year at 1011 in Saskatoon. Some people at one point liked him more than Tyson Berry. The answer is Stefan Elliott. Who won the trivia? Mason. Nice work, Mason. So we have that. We've taken care of that for Mr. Lube. Mason gets a $50 GC. Here we go. You can text us at 630-630. I, I thought I specifically tra- said... There was no way I would trade dry settle you Carlson. did yeah okay you explained this scenario and then said I would not do it I would not do it um, because this text comes out of Sam and Bob Carson or Carlson for dry settle. listen a loss uh, listen a lot and it's a stupid trade I'm shocked you want that trade I I didn't say I wanted that trade. My, my point is you roll with McDavid and Dreisaitl down the middle. You can text us at 630 630. Uh, hey Bob, anybody who wants to trade Leon Drysettle is outright stupid in my opinion. The last time the Oilers had a center with the size and offensive skill that Leon has wore number 11 in Edmonton. Eric Carlson has peaked. He's going to put some team in cap jail for years to come. Let's hope it isn't the Oilers. That one comes to us from Dirk out of Barhead. Uh this text comes in from Dirty Mike and the boys. He says Brian Lawton is an awesome guest, a hockey insider who isn't afraid to take a definitive stand. Go figure. Glad to hear outsiders also recognize the player Dry Settle is. Dry cell, dry settle for Carlson would be a disaster. Uh Bob, I listened to your last guest. Another text coming in. I think that Brian Lawton is bang on. Oilers need not to panic overachieved last year, disappointing this year. We'll make the playoffs next year and have a good run. Don't sell the farm. That one comes to us from Doug in Bruderheim. There you go. You can text us. Rick says, hey, Bob, was uh, Barrasso in that 83 draft? I think he went fifth that year to Buffalo. There you go. You can uh, text us at 630, 630. We'll get to more texts. Uh, this text out of Calgary. In men's hockey, it's Canada 1, Sweden 2, USA 3, Russia and fin- or he's going Canada one, Sweden two, USA, Russia, and Finland are three to five. I, I think the Americans are better than Sweden. I do. It's my own opinion uh, when it comes to hockey Doesn't mean I'm right. You're allowed to have other opinions. That's the beauty of this show. One twenty-nine. off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bella. when we come back, uh, Jack Michaels has uh, got an interview coming up. With Nathan McKinnon, we're going to hear comments from Connor McDavid, Jared Bednar, the head coach of the Avalanche, as well as Todd McClellan. We'll get to NHL today as well. This is Orders Now live from Rogers Place.